We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 today. We're going to be looking at the early church. And over this series, Ignite, we're talking about some, some core practices of how to walk out your faith and how to ignite your faith in 2018. We believe if you'll do these simple things, that, that you're creating an environment for God to move in your life by doing these simple things. And looking at that, we're, we're looking at just the acts. That's why the book's called Acts, the acts of the early church. And so today we're going to look at the genesis of it all. We're going to look at the start of the church today. And so in Acts 2, verses 40 through, 42 through 47, we get a glimpse into what life is like in the early church, what life is like right after the Spirit fell, right after Jesus was resurrected. And so this is, this is the start of everything that we do, this whole movement of Christianity. These verses right here are the start of it all. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill Of the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, that we get to be here in this place, God, with your people. And God, today we ask that that you would speak into our hearts, God, that you would speak clearly, God, that that you would challenge us, God, that, that you would stretch us, God, that you would help us to grow in our faith today, that you would help us to take big steps towards you. And whatever that next step is for us today, Lord, no one is here by accident today. God, no one is here by mistake, Lord. Everyone is here by divine appointment. And so, Father, we ask right now, we open up our hearts to hear from you. Jesus, would you speak to our heart? Would you change our life today? And if you're ready to hear from God, can you get a big amen? Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So um, last week uh, marked a very big uh, day in, the, uh, the his- in, in America. It happens every year. But last week was the end of football season. And I was going to say, for some of you, for some of you, for half of you, that's sad news. And for half of you, that's very good news. And for the other half of you, you that's news just in general. Like, oh, I had no idea football season was over. Yes, that's three halves. I'm no mathologist. I mean, it's just, just go with me here, people. So I'm in the first group, you know, end of football season. That's sad news for me. I love football. And um, last season, I had a chance to do something very cool. I've never done it before. I had a chance to go to a professional football game. I've never been even to a college game before. The, The most I had ever been to live was a high school game. So I had a chance to go, and not only just to any football game, but to the, the home game of my favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, and right there, thank you, thank you, the Lord sees you guys, right, and shines, may his favor shine upon you, <laughs> so, I, so I had a chance to go to Airhead Stadium, first time ever, and, and I want to tell you something, it was just the most incredible experience, now, I've watched a million football games in my life. But so we, we have a chance. We go up there, and it was, it was kind of a cool thing. You know, Pastor Brad and Pastor Eric uh, went up as well. And, and so we go up there, and um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was the coldest day in like 
I don't know, the history of ever. And I mean, it was just so cold. And, and I remember um, just the, the part I'll never forget is walking, you know, if you've been to a stadium, you know, there's like all these tunnels and stuff you got to go through before you get out into the bowl of the stadium. And I'll never forget that feeling. It was a night game, just kind of walking out, out of the bowl, out of the tunnel and into the crowd. And just, you know, the lights just hit you. And it's like you're surrounded by 70,000 people just wearing that awesome Kansas City red, you know, and, and just the game was so cool. It was cold. And, you know, it was like, it was literally like six degrees that night. But the game went by so fast. And I've never been to a game before. But all of a sudden, I find myself, man, I'm, I'm jumping up and down. I'm yelling. You know, I, I'm doing the, the, all the chants. And, you know, every time the Chiefs get a first down, you're like, first down. You know, doing all of that. They score a touchdown. I'm, I'm high-fiving people I've never met before, you know, and, and just having this awesome experience. The Chiefs won that day, so we're leaving. You know, everyone's like cheering as they go out. It was just such a neat experience, completely different from when I watch a game at home, you know, when I'm sitting on my couch, you know, eating Doritos and whatever that, whatever sad picture that looks like when I watch a game at home. It's a completely different experience being at the game. And I think there's an incredible power that comes when we have shared experiences, when we share experiences with other people. Now, maybe for you, maybe it's not a football game, but maybe you've been to a movie on opening night. Maybe you, you know, like for me, I remember going to see uh, Star Wars Episode Two on opening night, and it was, it was so crazy because, you know, people were dressed up, people were so excited, and man, I want to tell you, it was just so neat to be in a packed movie theater with Star Wars fans that would soon become very angry, irate Star Wars fans because the movie was not very good. If you're Star Wars fans, episode two, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been to a concert and, and you know, you go to a concert and not just one of those like, you know, I won free tickets to a concert, but a concert where everyone is like really excited to be at that concert. And you just know there's just an energy in the room, maybe even if you got drug along, you don't really like the band or the act that you got to go see, if you're surrounded by enough people who are really into it, all of a sudden you find yourself really into it. For example, I remember one time I went to a Hanson concert <laughs> with my wife because my wife and her friend Shauna, I don't see her right, but, but they, are, they, man, they were hardcore Hanson fans. But you know what? You get around enough hardcore Hanson fans, all of a sudden you're going to have a good time. It's going to be okay. You're going to have a good, you're going to, you're going to find yourself umbopping, and it's okay. It's okay. And, and so there's, there's just this power that happens in shared experience. You know, I think that, that deep down we have a need to share experiences with others. And there's something that, that's happened um, recently, a phenomenon called reaction videos. Maybe you guys have seen this, where these videos go viral on YouTube or on Twitter or on Facebook, and all it is are people reacting to events. You know, you see someone watching a football game and they score the, the miracle touchdown and it's guys running laps in their living room, you know, and throwing TVs out the window because their team lost and people watching reaction videos to trailers. And these, these videos get tens and hundreds of thousands of views. And I think it's because deep down there's this need inside of us to experience things with other people. That when we see something, if we see it in isolation, that we, we're so wired to experience things in a shared experience that we go seek out to see how other people reacted to that thing. That's why these reaction videos go viral. There's something in us that is hardwired for shared experience. And see, the issue is in our culture 
is that we are steadily moving away from shared experience to individual experience where you don't have to go to the game anymore. You don't have to go to the concert. You don't have to go to the theater. You don't have to watch the TV show when everyone else is watching it. We're moving away from shared experience to individual experience. Everything's becoming individualized, personally tailored to you. Everything is about what you want, when you want it, how you want it. It's all about you, and it's all become about having the best individual experience possible. One of the easiest ways for us to see that is just on our online experience. You know, if you go to Amazon, how anything you look at, all of a sudden it starts recommending those things because it's trying to tailor that experience to you, which can be good, but, but men, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up Wednesday. By the way, men, Valentine's Day <laughs> is coming up Wednesday. You're welcome. And, you know, so maybe you're, you're you know, you got to be careful about what you shop for, where you shop for it, because maybe you're saying, I'm going to get my wife something special for Valentine's Day. Well, if you buy, if you try to buy that something special on Amazon, you got to be careful because then for the next 365 days, it's going to be recommending something special to you. And you're going to look like a weirdo in July when someone walks by your office working. It's like, Bill, why, why do you have that on your Amazon recommends. I looked at it one time, one time for Valentine's Day. And now I got to see it. You know, it's like everywhere I go on the internet, you know, it's trying to recommend this. It's like I can't get away from it because it's trying to tailor the experience. So, you know, you, you watch something on Netflix, you watch it once. And, you know, it's like I tried Gilmore Girls one time and then every chick flick ever, you know. Your, your Facebook and your Instagram feeds, you know, you can't just view things when they happened anymore. Now they've got to tell you what you want to see. You've got to dig to find your friend's story because they're trying to tailor everything to you. And everything becomes, it's all about becoming this individualized, personalized, on-demand, when I want it. You don't have to watch the show anymore when it comes out. I don't have to go to the concert. I can watch it on YouTube. I don't have to go to the theater. I can get the movie on iTunes. I don't have to you know, do the, I don't have to go to the, uh, the game because I can watch it at home on ESPN. You know, it's all becoming about what I want, when I want. It's all becoming individualized. And I think the church has even followed suit with this trend in that we, the church is starting to come out with all these avenues and all these things that, that are individualized and trying to make church more accessible and more on demand and more friendly. Many churches now have online church where you can go to church online and, um, you know, so for, we could all be at home right now in our, in our PJs going to church online. You know, we have podcasts, and we do podcasts here. Where we make the messages available for you so that you can go and listen to these messages on demand when you want. So right now, someone is going to be listening, hopefully, to this message in the future. So we can also, you know, everyone say hi to the future people. You know, it's like we can... We can time travel, because someone's going to be listening to this message in the future, which is really cool, and it's a great avenue. You have multiple services, because we want to make things more convenient. And so I think it begs the question, you know, is, is there anything wrong with that? And especially in the context of church, is there anything wrong with that? I mean, why did we all get up today? And I think it's just kind of funny how God works, and that the weather would be what it is today. Why did we all get up today in the bitter cold and brave, potentially dangerous um, driving conditions and drag our kids out of bed and get them in the car and, and have to deal with yelling at them on the way to church and drag our spouse out of bed and get them in the car and have to deal with yelling with them on the way to church and trying to rush and trying to, to panic. We could, I mean, couldn't we all be at home 
you know, gathered around a laptop right now, all in our, our stretchy pants. Like I said last time, you know, buttons are for losers. We could all be in stretchy pants right now, at home watching church, doing church online. Why do we have to come together? Why do we have to meet? Why do we have to place such an emphasis on Sunday worship? Why do we prioritize this time? What is it about gathering together at church and having this shared experience? What about that is so valuable that that we still fight for this space? Because with everything becoming more individualized, everything becoming more on demand, you know, wouldn't it make sense that the church follows suit? And would there be anything wrong if, if we just you know, scrapped this space and just went to completely that. You know, what is it about gathering in this space, about having this time that, that's valuable and that's powerful and, and that's worth it? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're, we've been talking about these principles in our life during this series that are going to ignite our faith. And the principle we're going to be talking about today is the one of Sunday worship. Why do we gather? Why did you come to church today? Why are we here? Why aren't we at home just watching this online? What is it about this shared experience that is uniquely better, that is definitively better than us just experiencing church and experiencing God individually? Well, today we're going to look at the early church and we're going to see what the church did, what the early church did, and some examples of that, about the priority they put on meeting together and on coming together. And because we're talking about church today, <coughs> excuse me, because we're talking about church today, the, um, the big thought I want to work with, I'm just, I'm just going to admit up front, it's a little churchy. And is that, I mean, it's a little churchy because when I say it's a little churchy, so, you know, some of the things that, that, that church, we, we do as preachers, we try to have things start with the same letter because it just, you know, it's supposed to make it more memorable. But honestly, it just sounds cool when you're preaching it. And that's why we do it. And, and typically, you have three things that start with the same letter. I'm, I'm totally peeling back the curtain here, Brad. It's, it's, <laughs> typically, you have three things that start with the same letter. But because you guys came in on a cold Sunday, I'm going to give you four things. That start, that's right. That's right. That's right. Here we go. Here we go. This is what it says. So when the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God, we experience the power of God. I'm going to try that one more time. When the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God, we experience the power of God. This is the thought we're going to be working with today. If you're a note taker, man, write this down. If you've got one of those sweet God time journals, you know, pull that out, write this down in it. This is what we're going to be looking at today. What happens when we gather in shared experience. So let's look at the early church. Let's jump on. Let's, start, let's talk about the people of God. So in Acts 2, verses 44 through 47, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we're throwing it up on the screen behind me. I'm just going to read it off here. And it says, all the, what? All the, believe, all, one more time, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Man, can you, can you just hear the, the community in this passage? Can you just hear the togetherness of this passage? These were not 
just individuals. These were not just isolated people. This was a community of believers. This was a people that understood they belonged to something bigger and something greater and something grander than themselves. These were not people that were gathering together to have individual experiences, but these were people that were gathering gathering together because they were celebrating the greatest shared experience in all of human history. These were people that have witnessed the resurrection. These were people that have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. These were people whose lives have forever been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. They had participated in the greatest shared experience in human history, and it bound them together in a way that could not be unbound. What they did, they did together. What they did, they did in community. What they did, they did for one another. They no longer identified just as individuals, but they identified as believers. They identified as Christ followers. They identified as the people of God. And I want to tell you something. Sitting here today, you and I are partakers in the greatest shared experience in all of human history the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower here today, you and I are partakers in that. And let me tell you something. It's something bigger than any one of us individually. It's something greater than any one of us. It's something so great that when we come and we approach, we don't come as just individuals in community. We come as a community of believers before the throne of Jesus. And we come and we gather as a community. And it's just, there's something that is so powerful in knowing that you belong to something greater than you. When you sit here in this church, you don't just sit here as an individual. You belong to the community that we call core church. It's greater than you. We give our lives for a cause that's greater than us, and we reach our community as a community of believers. But there's something even bigger than that, that we have a, a heritage and a history and a lineage of believers, and it goes back to old guys whose names you've probably never even heard of, old guys like Phineas Brzee and John Wesley and Martin Luther, and, and we trace our heritage all the way back. We're part of the same community of believers that we read about in the books of, book of Acts, these believers that met in, in upper rooms and these believers that ran from persecution and believers in the churches in China that, that meet underground and believers in churches in Africa that meet in huts and shacks and, and believers all over the world. We are a part of that shared experience. We are a part of that community as Christ followers, and there's something powerful that happens when we realize that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we're a part of something greater than ourselves. So um, my last name is Surratt, and um, I, my history and my, my family heritage, um, I can trace back my family roots um, to Mary Surratt. And if you're a historian, that name should ring a bell because Mary Surratt has the infamous um, Privilege. I don't. Know, I don't even know how to set that up. She was. She was the first woman um, put to death uh, by the American judicial system because she um, participated and helped John Wilkes Booth escape after he assassinated uh, President Lincoln. So that's my family tree. <laughs> but I also recently found out that there is a guy named Jeff Surratt who is. Um, Man, just an incredible uh, figurehead in, in the church. He's worked at Saddleback. He, he um, ha, has 
planted all these churches. And there's a whole other side. Uh, he has a son, Greg, who um, pastors this church out on the coast, and it's just doing these incredible things. And, and um, this, this, they're involved. His, Jeff Surratt, uh, Surratt's wife is involved in, like, focus on the family and just, just all this incredible stuff for the kingdom of God. And so on a whim, I emailed him, and I said, you know, um, can, do you know if you're at all part of the, the family that, that traces back to Mary Surratt? And he said, well, I've not done a whole lot of genealogy, but yeah, Mary Surratt's somewhere up in our family tree. And, and so somehow, through, you know, through all the Ancestry.com, somehow in there, it's like I'm, I'm related to, to these, this clan of Surratt's that's doing all of these incredible things for the kingdom of God. And can I tell you something? There was something about that that was deeply profound for me, that, that, I'm, that, that I'm somehow connected and somehow in with, with a group of people that have made massive impact on the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, we are the people of God. And, and every time one person wins, every time the community shares it, man, that's, we are the people of God. We share in that experience. There's a, there's a profound power in that that we share that experience. So with the people of God, the, the next thing, so with the people of God, bring the presence of God. We, we see here in, in verse uh, 42, it says, all the believers, they did what? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in early meal, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. See, the church, they had an attitude when they showed up to meet together of devotion, devotion one to another, devotion to God. And I think they understood, because they had just received the baptism of the Holy I think they, they understood that they were carriers of this presence. They were carriers of the Spirit. And when they met together, that they brought that with them. And, and this is kind of a continuation of the discussion we had last week when Pastor Brad said, you know, do I have, a, do I have an attitude of devotion or do I have an attitude of duty? And I think when it comes to gathering together, we also have to check our attitude and say, do I have an attitude of devotion when I come to the house of God, or do I have an attitude of duty when I come to the house of God? And you can use duty in both contexts there. That's fine, because I think it applies. So do I have an attitude of devotion, or do I have an attitude of duty? Now, I know here I'm preaching. You guys are here at the 945 service on, a, on an inclement weather. I'm preaching to the choir here. So this is just for the people... <laughs> This is just for the people, those future people on the podcast. So, so we can be fired up today because we know we're talking to them today. But here, here's the deal, church. Your expectation establishes reality. Your expectation establishes reality. And if you show up to church not expecting anything to happen, if you show up to church not out of an attitude of devotion, if you show up to church out of an attitude of duty, if you show up to church just going through the motions, your expectation of what's going to happen establishes the reality of what's going to happen. And we see it time and time again. If I show up, it's like, oh, you know, then you know what? I'm probably not going to get a whole lot out of church. For example, when I was in, in college, and students, you can relate to this. When I was in college, um, man, I had a couple of classes where within five minutes, I had made assumptions, and I knew everything I needed to know about that class, and I checked out. I'm like, I am going to get zilch out of this class. And my attitude when I walked into that class was not one of devotion to learning. It was one of duty. And I'm not talking about D-U-T-Y duty either. It was one of duty. (laughs) 
But I know now, after I've known, you know, I probably missed some things that I could have learned in those classes because my attitude was not one of devotion, but was one of duty. Because I had the wrong attitude going in, my expectation established my reality, and my reality then was one where I was closed off to learn. I probably missed out on some things that may have been helpful to me in my life because my expectation was wrong. I'm going to tell you, if you show up to church with an expectation that's low, if you show up to church with an expectation that's not hungry, that expectation will establish your reality. But, 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 if you realize that you are a carrier of the presence of God, if you realize that you belong to something much larger than yourself, if you realize that and you come in hungry and you come in expecting and you come in ready and you come in desiring to seek God and you come in, man, your expectation will establish your reality. That's why you can be in the same service and someone next to you is getting their socks blessed off of them and you're like, I don't understand what is going on. That person probably came in hungry. That person probably came in ready. That person probably came in ready to receive from the Lord, expecting to receive from the Lord. And guess what? They're receiving from the Lord because their expectation established the reality. And you and I, we are carriers of the presence of God. And we come in to a room like this. We're bringing the presence of God in with us. And if we don't have that, if our expectation isn't ramped up, then you know what? We're not going to be able to tap in to that presence. We're not going to be able to experience that presence. But if we come in hungry, if we come in and say, God, it doesn't matter what song is going on. It doesn't matter what, you know, God, I'm ready to hear from you. I'm ready to receive from you. Then, then they're going to, you're going to hear it and you're going to receive it. And um, man, that's what I love. That's what I love about our church, by the way, is, is I stand on this stage every Sunday morning and I look out and, and you guys, you guys just rock. I mean, you come in hungry, to receive from the Lord, you're hooping, you're hollering, and it's because you, you want to hear from God, and you can just feel it. And I think that's what makes our church special, and it's what makes our church unique, and people come in, they're like, man, there's something different about this place. What's different about this place is you guys come in hungry. You guys come in expecting to receive from God, and it sets an atmosphere here in this place. So the people of God bring the presence of God, but that's, that's not enough that we have people and we have presence because we could have those things in isolation. You could be the person of God having the presence of God at home on your laptop. You could be the person of God having the presence of God just listening to a podcast. There's something else that has to happen in order for, for something really special to be unlocked, and that is that we have to bring it into the place of God. See, part of the reason why these believers were so devoted, and we, we've already kind of hinted at this, and part of the reason why they shared in so much community was because of something amazing that happened to them earlier in the chapter. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we see something that, that just marked these people for the rest of their lives. It absolutely marked them. In 2.1, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. Where? Where were they meeting? One place. They were meeting together in one place. See, it's not just enough to have the people and the presence, but you have to bring them together into a place. We could be this nebulous community of believers that never gathered together and never had to rub shoulders with one another, but, but there's something that's absolutely lacking in that. There's something powerful that happens when the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God. And that's why you're here today. That's why we gather. That's why 
we say it's not about the individual experience, but it's about us coming together and having a shared experience because you and I, we are the people of God and we are designed not to experience God in isolation. You and I were designed to experience God in community. We're designed to, we will not grow in isolation. If the devil can isolate us, he has us. But we're designed to experience God in community, in the community of believers. And we gather together and we, see, see church, I think too oftentimes when we talk about worship, when we talk about Sunday worship, we, we get so focused just on the vertical aspect of it. We get so focused on the singing and so focused on the praying. And we think of worship, we think of, you know, just this individual expression. But, but the danger of this is, is we can even come into a room like this and everyone sitting here, you can all be having individual experiences with God even together here in this room. So we have to push past that because we talk about all the time here at this church at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people. So the idea here is not that we just have these collective individual experiences, but real worship, real worship causes us to grow closer to God and also at the same time grow close to God's people. It causes us to grow close to God and grow close to God's people. If your worship is not also connecting you horizontally as well as vertically, then your worship's incomplete. It's incomplete. It's not just enough to blow in here, sing songs, hear the message, blow out, and never have to rub shoulders with the body of Christ and never have to connect in community to the body of Christ. See, that's, and I get that. Look, look, when we go to a movie theater, if, if the theater is not packed, and this was before assigned seating and all of that that we have now. If you, when, in the old days, you know, when you had to pick, when you just walked in and picked your seat, if, if you know, there's a semi-empty theater and I'm sitting down. If you come sit down right next to me, I'm going to look at man, man, what is wrong with you? There are plenty of seats. Go sit somewhere. You know, it's like we don't want someone sitting next to us. But the church is not a movie theater. And you're not, you were not designed to come in here and just sing songs and hear a message and walk out that door and never have to experience community, never have to experience the body of Christ. This is why we gather in one place, because it's, it's worship that connects us vertically, and it's worship that connects us horizontally. See, Jesus said in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. <coughs> it is all about us experiencing God in community. It's not just about the people on this stage. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the worship leaders. It's not just about the advisory board. Man, the fact that we're in community means it's about all of us together. That when you're not here, you're missed. That when you're not bringing that, that piece of the presence of God with you, that it makes a difference, that it makes an impact because we're carriers of that presence. And if you weren't here, this service would be different than it is when you're here. It, it, it's just you're missed and you're a part of the collective body of Christ. See, church, this, this is why, by the way, even more behind the scenes, this is why we rope off the rows on the back and we try to push you forward. It, it, this, this is why, because we, we want to try to help, we, like a gentle nudge, you know, we want to try to gently nudge you into community. This, this is why when Pastor Brad says, turn and tell three or 
15 people or whatever, you know, <laughs> to tell them this thing. You know, I, I don't do that. That's, that's his, I, I've, I've not done that. So, but when he, when he does that, that that's why, because we're, we're trying to help you understand that it's not just about your individual experience here, but we're trying, we come together and the power of it happens when we have a shared experience. And that's what it's about. That's why we gather in place. It's why we sing together. It's why we don't just play, you know, some droning music and then say, all right, everyone, just sing your own song for 20 minutes. I mean, there, there's churches that kind of, you know, have more of a focus on that, but, but man, we say, no, we want to sing songs because there's, there's a power that comes together when we gather together in unity and we're singing the same thing to the Lord. That's why we do worship. That's part of what it is because it, it unifies us. We're coming together as the body of Christ, the people of God bringing the presence of God into the place of God. So what happens when that happens? Man, something awesome. We experience the power of God. See, look what happened to the early church in verse two. It says, suddenly, everyone say suddenly. Suddenly, Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages, and the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Church, when the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God, we experience the power of God. And every week you come into this place, every week that we make those first three things happen, the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God, I believe God has a suddenly moment for you. And every week that may look different. For, for one week, your suddenly moment may be in a song. I talked to someone a few weeks ago. We did that new song, So Will I. And she said, you know, it was so cool. I was watching some nature thing about outer space the night before when I came to church the next day. And when you sang that song, it was talking about space and nature. And God just spoke to me. That was a suddenly moment for her. For some of you, the, the suddenly moment is, is going to come in a message. I know for all of you today, the suddenly moment has come in the message because it's been so anointed. <laughs> For some of you, that suddenly moment's going to come in a time of prayer or in a time of communion. For some of you, that suddenly moment's going to come as you're getting a cup of coffee and someone's just loving on you or someone that suddenly moment's gonna come when you're hearing about what your, your kids experienced in core kids and how, what they learned and God's gonna speak to you because some core kids volunteer poured into your child. And that's the suddenly moment for you. But every week, I believe when we gather together, God has a suddenly moment for us, and we look what happened in the early church about why they were so excited, why they were so pumped up, because they gathered together and God's power was unleashed in their midst. In verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Every week, church, God shows up in this place in a miraculous way. And I think what happens is so oftentimes we get our eyes focused on on physical miracles, and we say, well, I, I mean, I haven't seen anyone jumping up out of no wheelchairs. I haven't seen any dead people popping up back to life. You know, you know it's like, man, be, a miracle would be if God would just drop, you know, some miracle $50,000 check in the mail for me. That would be a miracle. I, I haven't seen much of that. I don't see these miracles that you're talking about, but I think we need to reframe what a miracle is because we need to understand something, church. Every time someone crosses from death to life, Every time someone makes that decision to follow Jesus, that is a miracle. 
church, we talk about hope, healing, peace, and purpose here all the time. I'll tell you something. Every time someone goes from despair to hope, man, that is a miracle. Every time someone walks into this place wounded and broken and you find healing, that is a miracle. Every time someone walks in and your life is in chaos and disarray and you walk out of here and you've experienced God's peace, that is a miracle. Every time someone walks in and says, man, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm just wandering around. And you walk out of this place and you find purpose and you find meaning, that is a miracle. Every one of you right now, you are sitting next to and across to and in front of and behind, walking, living, breathing miracles of God's work. Man, there's just miracles. Paula, you're a miracle. Sharing your story about God calling you into ministry and the, the battle that you went through that, that you shared about, about coming out of depression and then God leading you out of that into the call. Of, that's a miracle. That, doesn't, that just doesn't happen. That's a miracle. Wit, man, you're a miracle. Atheist, sitting here now with your family at church, man, that's a miracle. Miraculous, man. Man, Arturo, Jody, you guys are a miracle. Going through what you went through and sticking into the house of God, not giving up on God when, when your life fell apart and, and things, and you're like, I don't know where this is gonna happen. You know, I don't know what we're gonna do. You guys stuck with your faith. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So many of you here, miracles. Mir- Megan, what you and Sean, I mean, it's, it's a miracle you're here. It's a miracle you guys are keep going. You probably wake up every day, it's a miracle. It's like I made it through another day, but it's, it's miraculous. Man, Terry, Mary, the, the life change that you guys have seen, just your, your steadfastness in your faith. I mean, people never look at you and realize all that God's brought you through and, and how far God's brought you guys from. Miracle. Miracle. I mean, I hear, Terry, I hear stories about your past. I'm like, there ain't no way. <laughs> there ain't no way. You guys are a miracle. We experience the miraculous here every week because the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of God. And because of that shared experience, we experience the power of God in a way that no individual experience can ever duplicate, can ever replicate. And I want to tell you something, you want to rediscover the awe for God in your life, this is how you do it. You open your eyes and see the miracles and see the miraculous that God is doing in our midst. So I just want to leave you guys with a few things to kind of help walk this out. How, so how do, we, how do we do this? How do we do this? Give me something practical, Daniel. Here we go. We're two things. We're going to raise our expectations. We're going to raise our expectations. Come to church expecting God to move in your life. Man, what if, what if you prayed up before you came in? What if instead of skating in, just, you know, just, I made it, you know, just, what, man, just fight. Did everything you could just to fight and say, I'm going to come a little early. You know, our, our child uh, wing opens up 15 minutes early. You could come 15 minutes early. Think of the coffee you could drink in 15 minutes. <laughs> come in, man, and just get prayed up. Come expecting. God, I'm expecting you to move in my life. Come hungry. Come ready to go. Come ready for your suddenly moment. God, where are you going to speak to me? I'm so ready for you to speak to me. God, you speak to me in that song. You speak to me. God, where are you going to speak to me? How are you going to speak to me? Come ready to go. Man, do, do something you don't normally do. You know, if you're a worship. If you're in worship, man, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, maybe you never sing. Maybe next week you sing. Maybe you never raise your hands. Maybe next week you give a little one of these. 
Maybe you normally give one. Maybe, maybe next week you go all the way. Maybe you close your eyes. Just get out of your comfort zone. Maybe next week you take notes during the message. Maybe next week you, you come forward to this, the table here, which we're getting ready to do here in just a minute, and you come with an attitude of reverence. And, and you're not talking, you know, but, but you're just come, Adam, reverence. God, thank you for what you've done for me. Raising your expectation. Next thing we're going to do is we're going to expand our horizons. We talked about the vertical. Let's talk about the horizontal. Remember, man, church is a shared experience. This is not about isolated experience. This is a shared experience. We are here for one another. So this is going to mess. This, is, this part's going to mess with some of you. I just know this is. Some of you need to say hi to someone you don't know next week. I'm going to, I'm going to dig even a little deeper now. What about next week you sat next to someone you don't know? I feel the spirit moving right now. What if when, when, you know, Pastor Eric or myself next week say, all right, turn to someone next to you, shake their hand. What if you actually did that? All right, here, here's, here's, here's the big one. What if when Pastor Brad says, hey, turn to 20 people next to you, shake their hands, or yeah, tell them this. Man, what if you did that? And what if you looked at that person in the eye? And what if you said it with a smile on your face? And what if you said, you know, I'm not here to have an isolated experience. I'm here to have a shared experience. I'm going to rub shoulders with the body of Christ. And I'm going to find people. I'm going to love on people. And I'm going to get to know some people. And I'm going to realize this is not just about me coming in, blowing in, getting what I need, and going out. This is a shared experience. We're the body of Christ. We're the people of God. We are in this together because when the people of God bring the presence of God into the place of of God. Guess what, church? We are going to experience the power of God, and that is why we are here today. Maybe during Lent, that's your challenge. Maybe during Lent. Come early. Pray up. Find one thing you can do to stretch outside of your comfort zone. Watch what God does in your life, man. I bet it'll be awesome.